Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Glad you could make it to uh, worship with us this morning. I see some, some new faces in here, some guests, so thanks for, thanks for coming. Uh, we normally start our service with a song, so if you guys would like to rise and sing with us, uh, the words will be up on the screens behind us so you can follow along. We're going to sing, 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 sing. The song is called Sing, Sing, Sing. Here we go.
Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. We're going to go to Lord in prayer in just a moment. Before we do so, though, as you can look around, you can see we're short a lot of people. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on in the world, as you probably know. And as a church body, we were thinking about this. And, and guys, uh, our president has called this a national day of prayer today for the coronavirus uh, implements and such as we need to be praying for our health workers. We need to be praying, one, that they, they are healthy, two, that sometimes the obstinance of people who feel like they're the only patient there can be overpowering. Let's pray that they have peace and that they have the mercy to be able to carry out the task that they have been trained to do. So I want to lift that up in prayer. And also that being said, we need to remember God is the choreographer. He's the choreographer of all things. And our trust and our faith should not be in fear, but in victory. In so doing that we, we, though we had a lot of different inputs, we have not closed the church, nor do I plan on shutting the doors of the church. Amen? Amen. However, that being said, I also would ask you, though, to use... Uh, let's use our minds and our hearts and let's not be a stumbling block for one another. If, if you want to shake a hand or something such as that, or you want to give, we are, are very well known to be a hugging church, but yet if someone feels a little pushed off or put away by that, please honor the, the, the hearts of those that are around you. Uh, do the elbow bump, do the fist bump, do the, the virtual high five if so need be. Or if there's right there around you and somebody says, hey, I'm right here. That, that's okay. That's between you and they. But let's not push ourselves on one another right now. And let's take this next week. I'm not going to actually, we're not going to actually do a walk around song this morning as we get ready for the, uh, the service. We're just going to go to the Lord in prayer, lift this, all the hysteria that has swept the nation, if you will, up in prayer as well. And let's pray together, and then we're going to go back into song. Well, actually, we'll have a scripture reading, putting you on the spot. Were you ready? Okay. <laughs> um, and we'll have our scripture reading, and then we're going to proceed with other things. But, but guys, right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you right now, Lord. And I, I thank you that we are Lord of Lords, uh, excuse me, that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and that we are in your hands, Lord God. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will just reach down and touch your people today. That we'll enjoy the service that we're having here in your church, that we will not just enjoy, but we'll grow from it. That we will hear your voice and hear your word. And Lord, if our toes need to be stepped upon, whether it be in song, whether it be in the sermon, whatever it is, may we hear your word onto us. God, we give you our hearts and ask you to pour out upon us. And Lord, we do take this day and this moment to lift up the nurses and the doctors and all who are working in the emergency clinics and such. Father, I just pray that you just give them peace that surpasses all understanding. Let them feel and understand, Lord, that you are in control and that your grace will be made paramount and manifest through them to those who are living in fear and, and are afraid of what's going on in their lives. Lord, help us as Christians to go let forth from this place, not with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit of victory. May we use the, the minds that you have given us in the spirit that lives within us, and may we go forth and proclaim your righteousness to a world that's choosing to live in fear. May we show them what victory means and what it can be. Lord, give us the opportunity to share your gospel with others through this tragedy, that's, that, this, this hysteria, this stuff that's going around right now, Lord. 
Give us the wherewithal to be able to speak forth your word into that. And Lord, as we go into this, this time of, of praise, I pray we'll, our hearts will sing out onto you as we just sang about. May we sing, sing, sing. But Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, for whatever the reason that may be, may they come to know you before it's too late. May your will be done this day, Lord God, and may the hearts of your people be, be edified and may your name be glorified by what's going to happen today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And as I said, we normally would have a walk around, but I'm going to ask you to go ahead and grab your seats this morning. Uh, you're welcome to shake the hands of those right next to you if they're good with it. But as a church, we're just going to kind of forego the walk around today. In the, there you go. Yeah, Barry, you're, you're the loud, happy one there. <laughs> Virtual wave. There you go. Oh, you know, we could do the wave from one side to the other. That doesn't touch anybody, right? It's good for a football game. I'll be good for here. You know. Amen. Shane, you got our scripture reading this morning? Amen. Father God, I just lift up my brother to you in the name of Jesus right now. May we hear you through him as he opens the word, and may your word just be made manifest unto our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, sir. Good morning, guys. Um. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit this morning about uh, God's uh, peace and love and hope this morning. Guys, I'm a sinner. I fall short daily as a husband and a dad and a friend and a child of God. But uh, you know what? My God forgives me. My God gives me strength to face a new day. My God comforts me when I don't think I deserve it. And when it doesn't make any sense, my, my God comforts me, even in my darkest days, I'm still able to look and see somebody in need and be able to help them through God's strength. And, and uh, you know, we've had some dark days in our recent past, and, and I just think I'm thankful for each and one, every one of you guys to support me and my family in, in our time of need. So uh, the scripture I'm going to be reading is uh, 2 Corinthians 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He comforts in our in all He comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. From just the sufferings, of, for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, also. Through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces produces in you a patient endurance of the same sufferings that uh, that we will suffer. And our hope is for you. Our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so so also you will share in the comfort. And also I want to read from uh, Romans 5, verse 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous through by faith, we, we have received right, righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We also obtained, obtained access through him by faith into which, into this grace we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we rejoice in our, our afflictions because we know that the affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. And let us pray. Father God, we come come before you to give praise. We thank you for your grace, mercy, and love. We thank you for the peace only you can provide through Jesus Christ. I also thank you, thank you that I'm able to stand here before you. I thank you. I thank you uh, for this church body in uh, our in our pastor. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
Set the stage back up here. Um, I'm going to sing a few more songs this morning. So,
it seems weird not having the uh, hugs and everything going around uh, that we normally do. But let me just say to all our visitors out there, you are welcomed. And uh, be careful on the way out because you may get hugged or tackled in the back. I don't know. It's just, I feel it building up amongst the people that didn't get to hug people this morning. <laughs> Amen. Withdrawals. Amen. The message this morning, guys, is a little bit different than normal, I think. But however, I, I feel as though it's something that God's laid on my heart that we need to talk about and need to share just a little bit. With all the expectations, if you will, that's been placed on our government about this flu virus and such. And then when we also think about all the other social issues that's been placed on the government or placed upon churches, and we look at the social conditions and the socialist ideas that have been being presented throughout the democratic debates, and there's so much that whether you watch news or not, there's so many things that's coming forward that I thought it would behoove us to stop and ask a question that's been in the church a long time, but we're going to look at it in the book of Acts. We're going to look at the apostolic church. What did the apostolic church say about socialism and the socialist idea throughout the church, reaching out to the the social communities around us? Because I'm going to show and hope that you'll see through the scriptures this morning that that is not the government's job to be able to take care of the social issues. Nor is it the church's, actually. But we're going to tie all this together, and I want you to see what happened in the apostolic church. But before we do that... I, my, my brother Ray back here gave me a new Bible, and in this Bible, believe it or not, it has videos in the Bible. It's, it's pretty awesome for us that, that, you know, like those videos. But I, I grabbed one of those this morning, and I want you to watch this quick video out of my, this new Bible. There's a famous nursery rhyme that simply goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mr. Dumpty's world had become shattered and he needed it fixed. But he didn't go to his friends or his family or even his church. He went to the White House. Now we know he went to the White House because the king got involved. The king was sympathetic to Mr. Dumpty's dilemma, so he called a meeting of Congress. We know Congress got involved because all the king's men got involved. But the tragedy of the nursery rhyme is when it was all said and done, all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It is unfortunate today that far too many believers are expecting the solutions to our problems to land on Air Force One. I'm taken to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is doing reconnaissance around the walls of Jericho. He looks over and he sees the captain of another large army dressed in battle array. Now Joshua's mama didn't raise a dummy. He wanted to know whose side are you on? Because if you're on our side, then we got help against Jericho. But if you're on their side, we've got double trouble. So before I go out here and make a fool of myself, whose side are you on? That's when the captain says to him, I think you are confused. I'm neither on your side, nor am I on their side. I'm captain of the Lord's army. I did not come to take sides. I come to take over. You and I have to understand is God does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. 
that if you're a Democrat, the best you can do is vote Democrat light, L-I-T-E. Or Republican light, L-I-T-E, because your job is to bring the either one, the L-I-G-H-T. Your job is to represent another king in another kingdom. You do not belong to another kingdom. Let's represent the king. If you did not recognize that voice, that is my friend Dr. Tony Evans, and he, that was out of one of his sermons that he was presenting. And I came across that in the scripture right as I was already feeling as though this is where the Lord wanted me to go. And I thought, man, what an incredible illustration. And I thought right then, that's why the Lord had Ray, Brother Ray bring me that Bible, maybe even just for that one thing. But it spoke to what we need to understand, guys. It's not about what a, a, a church polity tells you. It's not what a governmental polity tells you. We are to do what God is telling us to do. Amen? And we are to speak forth then, not just within our churches, not to just one another. We are to speak to the community, to the country, to the state, to the country, to the world, that it's not about the governmental systems or this denominational system or that church or that church. What we have come to share And to share the way that God has told us to share is the light of Jesus Christ. And in showing the light of Jesus Christ, we are not going to do it through these governmental programs. We're going to do it by getting back to his word right here. Amen. Here's the deal, folks. So many people today feel as though that that we need to get, get into all these social programs, whether it be governmental or social through the church or something like that. But people who become dependent upon any kind of entitlement programs usually become slaves to whoever's doing the entitling. Whether it be government, whether it be a church system or entity, that is not what God has called us to be. That is not where God has directed us. That debate has been going on in churches for many, many years. And the political climate in which we live today, I never thought I would see in America, but I'm seeing that 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 resurgence of that socialist idea Shouldn't the church, the question that keeps being presented to me when I stand up and speak against these things, shouldn't the church support the government's social justice program? And like I said earlier, we're going to let the apostolic church, because if we're going to emulate a church, I'm not going to emulate, as much as I love Dr. Tony Evans, I'm not going to emulate his church. I'm not going to emulate Saddleback. I'm not going to emulate Cornerstone or any other. If I'm going to emulate a church, I need to get back to the apostolic church, those men who walked and talked and ate with Jesus. And how did they handle that question? Amen? Social entitlement programs, guys, by whomever they may be, may sound good initially to somebody in need. But those programs, when they come to be, they, they, they take away individual freedoms. They take away the rights that that person has. And eventually that person will become a ward of the state or a ward of whomever is in the entitlement program. And most of the time, or I'm going to say all the time, when you look at, at governments that do this, they tend to go in and then they take away that free practice of religion, which when they take that away, the preaching of the gospel is stymied. The preaching of the gospel and the discipleship in a government that's embraced by socialism, the, the, the religion, the word of God is put on the back seat and squashed. Folks, our call, our commission was go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our job as a church is not to get involved in the social justice programs. And, you, and, and I know you're saying, wait a minute, Pastor, and we're going to get there. But what I'm telling you, the number one thing as a church we have been called to do is share the gospel. 
We, our focus should be on sharing the gospel and reaching a lost world and implementing and being a part of the things that is going to be conducive to that, not exclusive of that. Amen? Under socialism, we need to understand that the media, the television, radio programs, anything such as that comes under the direction of the state and the state then gets to dictate what goes out and what doesn't come back. And that's not where we are to go. So to advance social justice ideas, I want us to think for just a moment. Whether it be the government or whether it be a church, when we start talking about social justice, we, we are talking about a social idea that we're going to redistribute what everybody has. We're going to redistribute the wealth. They believe in taking wealth from, from others to give to those who are in need. That's what I'm talking about. So what did the apostles say to this? Look to chapter 4. I put a list of scriptures back there, hon. I don't know if you got it. Hun? Oh, well, there was a hun back there, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not calling you hun, I promise. <laughs> Yuck. But anyway. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 32. <clears throat> now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. And soul, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. This is a what? No, at chapter 4, verse 32. Wow, we'll get this together. I call him Hun, and look what he does. Got you all discombobulated back there. We're in starting in verse 32, guys. You want me to start over? Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the possessions was his own. But instead they held everything in common. And with great power of the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person amongst them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as anyone had a need. Joseph, a Levite and a Cypherite by birth, whom the apostles named Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, bought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, and with Sapphira his wife, sold a piece of property. And however, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it. And laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, was it still at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied unto God. Now the message I want to point out there, guys, the apostles were not teaching the church to be uncaring. And that's what a lot of people will say when a church says that, oh, well, we're, we're not getting into the socialist ideal and the socialist program. You don't care about the needy. That's not what the apostles were saying. What the apostles were saying was that we need to teach our brethren to be responsible and that the wealthy of the church have their own wealth. In other words, there are wealthy people. And there was wealthy people such as Barnabas who chose to sell his property and bring that and redistribute amongst others. 
But it wasn't a church slash government mandate. You could do with the monies you had with whatever you wanted to do with it. Now, the good thing is, yeah, resupply and help others. And we're going to look at this a little bit later. But in the meantime, understand what was spoken to Ananias. He came in and said, oh, I'm just giving everything to the church. He was lying. He held back some and, and, and he looked at Peter, looked at him and said, well, I don't care what you do with your money. That's your money. Wasn't it your money before you came? Wasn't it your money after you sold the property? It's your money. Why are you coming and lying about it? The problem with Ananias wasn't that he wasn't giving all his money to the church. The problem with Ananias was he lied about what he was doing to the Holy Spirit. It was his money to do it as he so chose. Each person then and still today has complete and total control of the things that God has blessed them with. And it's not for you and I to judge. It's for you and I to, to, to do with what he has given us to do with the things he's given us back into the others. Each one individually. Each one of us are supposed to focus. Lord, what would you have me to do? In America now, we seem to have this, 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 this indiscriminate a socialist ideal and program that's going about. But if you think about it just a little bit, those programs have fostered so much fraud and, and, and so much waste. Why? Because they weren't based upon the scripture and based upon the, what the apostolic church did, the way it was supposed to be to help the poor and the needy. The apostolic church, they, they practiced an equal justice. In other words, when the people came or whatever, they were given a hand up rather than a hand out. They were being told that this is how we can help you get back on your feet, not keep you subservient under our feet. This is what we're going to do to help you get by. And together as a body, brother, sister, man, woman, we're going to come together and we're going to equally get through this, not because I'm giving you a handout, but because I love you and you'll know my people by the love they have for one another. And we're going to strengthen each other and we're going to make it out of this equals in this church. Social justice, guys, tends to keep people enslaved and, and keeps people dependent. While charity and that, that, that equal justice that's designed to get people back up on their feet, designed to get them out there and back into being an asset in the society, back to being what they have been called to be. Now, obviously, some people, such as handicapped, such as uh, uh, the elderly, things of that nature, yes, we are to reach in and we are to help them. But we are to also lift people up, get them back to doing and being a part of what, the, what uh, being a part of society, not as a slave, but as a person of the community to be proud of who they are. When the church began, those who had wealth, they sure they shared it with others. And if they didn't know a specific person to share it with, they brought it to the church and, said, and asked the apostles, hey, you know what to do with this better than I do. And if God's given you that blessing and he's called you to do that, then praise God. That's what I would ask you to do, to go ahead and seek out and search out, how can I help others? How can I share what God has given me to help other people? But that question should not be a government mandate. It should not be a church mandate. It should be a mandate of between you and God that you find in your quiet time every morning. Every morning you should get on your knees and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Folks, it was completely voluntary. It was not commanded. It was a voluntary action because it wasn't about the church lording over the people. When I say the church, the building, it wasn't about the church lording over the people. It was about you individually acknowledging that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and it's you individually acknowledging that God has blessed you and it's you individually acknowledging God, what would you have me to do with the gifts that you've given me? Whether it be financial, whether it be your labor, whether it be your time, whether it be your home, your land, it didn't matter 
each one of us have been given that de- the desire in our heart to seek out his face. And when we pray to the Lord every morning, each one of us can individually then listen, Lord, what would you have me to do? That was the teachings of the apostolic church. The apostles said, said that we're going to give out and help out to get you back to where you could be praying where you need to be praying so that you can be up and answer for yourself. Look over in, in 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians, Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 3, looking at verse 6. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother who walks irresponsibly and not according to the traditional tradition received from us. For you yourselves know how you must imitate us. We were not irresponsible amongst you. We did not eat anyone's bread free of charge. Instead, we labored and toiled and working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It is not that we don't have the right to support, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some amongst you who walk irresponsibly, not working at all, but interfering with the work of others. Now we command and exhort such brethren by the Lord Jesus Christ that quietly working they may eat their own bread. Brothers, do, know, do not grow weary in doing good. Now he ends this with, make sure you're doing good. Do what you are supposed to do. But in so doing, to do good, you are to focus, Lord, what would you have me to do? The early church was being commanded here, guys, to not give over to just the lazy people that have nothing to do that don't want to work for themselves. They're saying you be responsible and by you being responsible and helping them get up on their feet, you're going to make them responsible and then when you have two people that are responsible, they're going to be able to go forth and share the grace and the mercy of God and share the gospel message together because they're both going to be up and about rather than one enslaved and one being the slaveholder. That's what the apostolic church was teaching, guys. Christianity was, was, a, was, was being taught to go forth and help itself, to help each other. Now, in the world in which we live today, that, that kind of charity must come as a shock. You mean the church isn't just supposed to give to everybody? The church isn't supposed to just take care of, of everyone? God knows that to really, really help somebody, guys, To really help people do what they need to do is not going to happen by causing them to become dependent slaves upon someone else. He has called us to stand proudly. And and when I say proudly, I'm not saying the kind of pride that comes before the fall. But we are to stand as, as sons and daughters of the king. Whether we have money or not does not matter. Whether we have homes that are this or that does not matter. What matters is do I know Jesus Christ or not? And then we're going to go out there and we're going to take what the New Testament says that I am to work as if I'm doing it onto the Lord. Whether I'm sweeping the floor, whether I'm an electrical engineer or a space scientist or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to do it not as if I'm doing it onto the people. I'm doing it as if I'm doing it onto the Lord. And God is going to bless that. And eventually I am going to be able to look up and say, thank you, Jesus, whether I have a dollar in my hand or a thousand dollars in my hand, I'm going to realize money makes no difference. It's my spirit between me and God. And we're going to be able to teach that to other people. And if you're just giving them handouts, they're just going from day to day waiting on a handout. But when you can teach them that no matter what you're doing, you can do it with all your ability and get glorified, gloried by God for it. I mean, the glory of God, 
give God glory for it and he's going to edify you for it, you're going to be able to say, man, thank you. I'm going to have a self-pride about me again because I am a son of a king. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, some of you may have it memorized, but it says, if you remember, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, you know where this is going, if he does not provide for his own household, then he has denied the faith and he's worse than any unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5, 8. Guys, we have been called to go forth and we have been called to be responsible and we are to do to the best of our ability whatever it is God's called us to do. And then individually we are to go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, how and what am I to do to further my position as, as being the child of God you called me to be? And who is it that you would want me to pray for, reach out to, or help in any other way as well? The foremost mission of the church, guys, is to share the gospel. Secondly, to disciple and teach. And then thirdly is charity. Thirdly, after I share the gospel, after I I come forth and make disciples, then it's the charity. They need to know who God is in their heart before we can start showing them how God can provide those needs. They need to know that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. The apostles commanded commanded the the family members to go and, and in fact, turn over to Matthew. Because a lot of people try to throw Matthew out there. And I think... I'm afraid that we may have a little warped understanding here. In Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. When the sons of man in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them i assure you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me then he will also say to those who the left depart from me you workers excuse me depart from me you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for i was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat i was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink i was a stranger and you didn't take me in i was naked and you didn't clothe me sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me either. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteousness into eternal life. Now, taking that story, what will make Jesus call somebody an old goat and, and basically, and then tell them that they're going to go to eternal damnation. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Well, you know, people who did not feed the hungry, people who did not welcome the stranger, people who did not clothe the naked, people who did not go and visit the jail. This is, this is a critical teaching of Jesus here, but we tend to warp it sometimes. Should we feed the hungry? Should we help the homeless? Should we stand against corruption? Absolutely. We are to stand against those things. We are to help in any way that we can. But here's the kicker. We are be, have been commanded not as the body, not as the government. 
It was an individual command. Each one of us individually are to do those things. He didn't say, I'm going to keep out this denomination and that denomination. He didn't say, I'm going to keep out this government and that government. He didn't say that, that uh, when I, uh, they stand before me and I'm going to say this entity of people and that entity of people. He separates the goats from the sheep. In other words, each individual has been called to do what he has been called to do. If you see the sick and you have been given the opportunity to help them, then you are to help them. If you see the hungry and you've been given the opportunity to help feed them, then help feed them. If you go and see someone in the jail and they need to be visited, then you go and visit them. Each one of us within the body, we make up the body, but each one of us has their own individual task and mandate and you have been called to, commanded to, and told to be the hands and feet of Jesus and if every Christian did exactly what Jesus was teaching here knowing that they're going to be judged one day at the scales at the at the at the great white throne it is then that the social justice of the world would be taken care of it's not up to the government it's not up to a, a, a body it is up to each one of us individually who make up the body to do what each one of us has been called to do Now, I will share with you that our government does a great job. Stephen Colbert got on on TV and he said that if we're going to be a so-called Christian nation, as he said, when he was talking about the USA, and we don't help the poor, then we either are pretending that Jesus was just as selfish as we are or that we don't care to do what God has called us to do. So what Colbert was saying was that the United States does not help the poor. Now, I wish I had more modern records. The records, uh, the best I could find was from 2015. However, if you look in the Old Testament, the, 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 Israels, the Israelites were told to tithe between, depending on what scholar, 15 to 33% for the poor. That being said, when you look at the numbers that are going to, to help the poor in America, and like I said, 2015 was the best numbers I could come up with that, that I could say that I trusted, it's 52% of America's money, 20% to Social Security, 30% to Medicaid, 8% to Medicare, uh, 10% to safety net programs. That's not counting the 70% of the food pantries that are, are non-profits here in this, in this country. Bin, tens and billions of dollars, according to the Texas Tribune, is going into supporting and helping the sick and the needy and the poor in our community. America is doing all that it can and more so. But that's not where we are to go. Even though Colbert tried to point that out, he was absolutely wrong. And he was not just wrong on that America wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. He's also wrong on what he thought that the church should do. America is helping the poor. But this is where it gets personal, guys. And this is where we got to stop and think just a little bit. He thought that it's up to to the government to do these things because Jesus told the whole church to do that thing. But he was misguided because Jesus' command to help the poor was for you and me alone. Individually. Each one of us. When we talk about social programs, it's about what are you doing for the poor. What are you going to choose to do? How are you using the gifts that God has given you? Are you being the responsible person that God has called you to be? Jesus spoke to us very clearly. 
When, when somebody hollers out in the crowd, uh, uh, I saw this really neat meme just the other day. It was, it was Jesus speaking to the people and Jesus is saying, can, can, we want, I want you to go and he's speaking to each one individually. He says, I want you to go and I want you to, to, to take my, my word and, and everything to the poor. I want you to go and help the poor. And the people said, well, can we just give our money to the Romans and let the Roman government do it? And he starts over and says, well, where did I lose you at? Let me start from the beginning. I want you to go and do this. Jesus has commanded you and I. When we stand before the great white throne one day, it's not going to be there with the pastor. Well, how did your church do? I'm going to judge you by what your church did. I'm going to judge you by what your government did. I'm going to judge you whether your pastor went and visited the sick and the homeless. I'm going to judge you by whether or not the the deacon so-and-so was able to go and feed the hungry. No, each one of us are going to stand before God one day and we're going to look into his eyes and he's going to lay that out there. Not denominations, not buildings. He's going to say, here are the sheep here are the goats goats and I'm going to be speaking to you and you're fixing to go in one or the other the social programs that was created by the apostolic church to help the world wasn't a government system it wasn't a body of believers even as great as a body of believers we are and we do help one another it was each one of us individually guys that's what we need to wrap our mind around that was the point of the story between the the rich man and Lazarus That's the point of the story when he has sheep and he has goats. Which man stood upon the word of God and which one did not? We don't like to hear that. We don't want to be individually held accountable for each other, our brothers and sisters. We want uh, one entity. We want one headship. We want the government. We want the church. We want them to be all responsible for that. But guys, that's not the way God works. He speaks to each one of us individually, and that's why it's so important to have our quiet time, and we seek out his face and say, Lord, here am I. And Jesus is looking to us. He's saying, I'm ready for you to step up and be the hands and feet that I've called you to be. I'm not waiting on, you're, you're waiting on the deacon, but I'm talking to you. Well, but, but brother, I, I, I help tithe that church. I pay that pastor. He doesn't do anything but an hour on Sunday morning anyway. That's his job. He's the one that should be doing this and doing that. And maybe he is and maybe he isn't, and I'll take care of that, but I'm talking to you. What are you doing? Well, you know, that deacon, he doesn't do anything but sit around and talk and play dominoes all day, every day. He might, David. (laughs) And his wife beats him too. But anyway. (laughs) Anyway, it's not about David. What is God telling you? You know, we can sit and we can laugh and we can have fun, but this is a serious thing, guys. When Jesus said, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hungry, blessed are you who are, or who weep, blessed are you when when you've lost your home, blessed are you when they revile and, and, and spurn you because of my name. He was understanding that this world can be hard at times and it can be hard on us, but he's still telling us regardless of what happens to you, you have still been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
and to help our brothers and sisters. What he was telling the people, what Jesus was saying is that, yes, there's an opportunity here to share the gospel. And you might even experience poverty. You might experience the hunger. You might experience the sorrow. You might experience the hatred of this world. But I got brothers or I got children down there, your brothers and sisters, that's going to come alongside you and feed you when you're hungry. I got brothers and sisters going to come and give you a drink when you're thirsty. I got brothers and sisters that's going to give you a place to stay when you're without a place to stay. And all these brothers and all these sisters are going to come together and blessed are you because you're going to see me through each one of them and you're not going to have to worry about a handout. They're going to give you a hand up and together then you're going to lock arms with them and you're going to go share the gospel again with all your brothers and sisters. That's the way it was designed to work. That's what the apostolic church laid out for you and I. We're to help one another to go and share the gospel and bring more into the fold. And then we can, as a family, continue to grow and help others out of the darkness of the world into the light of Christ. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 21, 17, all men will hate you because of my namesake. So you're saying, so you're now, pastor, you're telling me that I have to individually help others. I have to individually be responsible for the social conditions around me. I have to individually take all that and the world's going to hate me too. I didn't sign up for all that. But here's the great thing, guys. When you stand before the Lord one day, that's what you're going to sound like if you don't. (laughs) You're going to stand before the Lord one day and do you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or do you want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you old goat. For you chose to give it over to the government and not do what I told you to do. You chose to leave it all up to the pastor, to the deacon, to the women's ministry leader, to whomever it is. You chose to give all that over and I was calling you individually to go out. You could have been blessed by what you were doing, but you chose to pass that blessing on to others. You see, folks, everything in this world is temporary. All these arguments that we have over money and things, all that's going to burn away one day. What we really should be worried about is where's my soul? Where am I spiritually with the Lord? Have I done with the material things that God has given me what he's told me to do so that when I stand before him spiritually, he's going to say, man, Pastor Ray, you got it going on. You did what I told you to do when I told you to do it. Frank, on the other hand, we got to talk to him a little bit. What's he going to say when you stand before him? We all have our weaknesses. We all have our shortcomings. And this may be yours, but the great thing is, regardless of what we are, as long as there's breath in our body, we can go back and say, Lord, here I am. All the stuff that God has blessed you with or the lack thereof, that's okay. It's to be used or given away. It's just stuff. You can be as rich as you want to. You really can. But when you die, guess what? All those riches stay behind. They don't go with you. You can be as powerful as an individual as you can possibly imagine, but your power dies with you. You can be as beautiful and handsome as you think you can possibly be on this side of glory. After you die, you get real ugly, I promise. Some of us before we die. But here's the thing. Jesus said, do not lay for yourselves up treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy, but build up your treasures in heaven. How do you build those treasures up in heaven? By individually doing what God's called you to do. Not hollering for the government to do it. It's not the government's job. Not hollering for the pastor to do everything. I'll do to the best of my ability. And I, and I will probably, I may even try, I'll try to do whatever it is you're telling me or asking me to do oftentimes. But if God's telling you to do it, it may get done through me or someone else. But you're the one that's going to stand before him. He's going to say, what happened? I asked you to go and feed the hungry. You didn't do it. I asked you to go clothe the naked. You didn't do it. I asked you to go give a drink of water to the thirsty. You didn't do it. I asked you to go visit this guy that's in prison. You wouldn't do it. Well, I, I, I gave everything to the government so they could do it. Mm, that's not what I told you to do. I told you to do it. Now, you can't be like that and you can't do that if you don't know Jesus Christ. You got to know the Lord is your Lord and Savior. There was a story, there was a tax assessor one day and he's interviewing this man attempting to find out and determine how much taxes he has to pay. And he's talking to this man and he says, what property do you possess? And the man said, well, you know, actually, I'm very wealthy. I got all kinds of stuff. Now, that's not something you normally would want to share with a tax assessor. But the tax assessor kind of smiles and says, oh, yeah, okay, well, tell me what all you have. What, what, what all things do you have that, that make you wealthy? And the man looks at the tax assessor and says, I have everlasting life. I, I, I have a mansion built of hands not of this world in heaven. I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. I have a love from a God that will never fail me. And I know that though this mortal body may die, I am going to live forever with the one who loved me enough to die for me. Obviously, the tax assessor says you are a rich man, but I can't tax any of those things. Why? Because his taxes don't touch God's house. This morning, I am going to submit to you that first of all, to get into that house and to be rich like that man in that illustration is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Putting your faith in the one who's paid it all for you. Saying, Lord, I am a sinner in need of your grace. Doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in church. What a blessing to be able to be a part of Gunny's baptism this morning. Been in church his whole life. However, and he's known the Lord and he's loved the Lord. But he said, I want to make it known. That even at this age, he is my God. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're realizing for the first time, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've been saying I'm a Christian, but now I realize I need to be that Christian. And if you do know him as your Lord and your Savior, then it's time to start realizing that stuff, anything that can be taxed, is just stuff and it's going to burn away one day. Do with it what God tells you to do with it when he tells you to do it. And don't wait on the government or the church to do it for you. But all those things that can't be taxed, thank you, Jesus, every day. And what do you want me to do with this other stuff you've given me? That 
is the social program that's supposed to be. That's the social program that the apostolic church put forward. And that, as Christians, is where we need to stand. Individually, seeking his face and saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. What would you want me to do? Let's all stand this morning. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. I like Dr. Tony Evans' illustration. But it was actually written long before him. When Humpty Dumpty fell off that wall, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him back together again. There was a lot of thought in that little children's nursery rhyme. The government can't do it, but my God can. If you're here this morning and you've fallen off the wall and you feel busted up and broken, it's not to run to the government. It's not even to run to me as your pastor. Go to him. He is the healer. Now, I'll pray with you and I'll do whatever I can, but isn't it great that we can go to God? He says, I will make a new creation a new creature out of who you are. Father God, I come before you right now, and I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house, and I pray that we will do what it is you've called us to do so that your will and your name be lifted up. There's someone here today that has not surrendered their heart to you. Someone here today that has not bowed that knee, I pray that they will do so before it's too late. May they seek out your face and then be able to leave here today knowing that they know that they know that you are God. And Lord, if there's someone here that's been struggling with the, how to handle the things that you have given them, may you open their eyes and let them see that as well. May we just truly want to glorify you in all we say and do this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If God's speaking to you today, then you can pray right where you're at. I'd love to pray with you. You can come to this altar. But make sure you get your heart right with the Lord. If he's just telling you to sing, sing. But let's do what the Lord called us to do today as we sing, guys.
out to here and let's go out victorious. Now, a couple of announcements I forgot earlier, but without shaking hands and all that gets through me all, all topsy turvy. But the, there is a GP Vacation Bible School meeting immediately following the service today. If you're working with the BBS or like to work with the BBS, we encourage you to go to the fellowship off and be a part of the meeting that's immediately following the service today. There is the Ezekiel class this afternoon at 6 o'clock. We did not cancel our evening classes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And there's one more Oh, And March 22nd, which is coming up very quickly, is, a, is the deadline date to know about if you're going to the ladies' small retreat or the men's fishing retreat. They're both on the same weekend, but we need to make sure that we know that who all is going. So March 22nd is the deadline to let us know if you're coming to the, to the ladies' small retreat or the men's fishing trip re- retreat. Amen? Amen. 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 Good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. And guys, I know we hug and we shake hands, and that's great. Do that with those that you know, but please be cognizant of those who are a little bit worried about that as well. And continue to pray for the nurses and the doctors and all who are dealing with individuals who are coming in and out of the ERs and such. All right. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. Keep blessing in God's name. Amen. 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 Thank you.